Good day and welcome again to the road trip here with Diedrich. And uh, Diedrich, the last time we left off uh, with uh, Kruger Park. And uh, yeah, today we're going to talk about the N5. Yeah, how's Diedrich, it going? Over to you. Yeah, how's it? I'm highly with all the listeners. Yeah, no, we've just, we just finished off our little history session in Kruger. So we'll give Kruger a little bit of a break. There's still a lot more to speak about on Kruger. Um, Kruger's, I think, is a never-ending podcast series. But uh, <laughs> we'll give it a bit of a break. And I, th- and, I th- and I thought we'd get back onto one of the national roads again today. And we've covered the N1, the N2, the N3, and the N4. And one of the lesser-known ones is the N5. And it's not a huge double highway or anything like that, but it's, a, it's quite an important link road because it actually links the N3 with the N1. And it links, it links those two highways from Harry Smith on the N3 to Winburg on the N1. So, and it's the highway that skirts just to the north of Lesotho. So it's the bottom end of the free state. And there's a couple of interesting spots on there. And, uh, there's one, there's one little spot that I think we need to kick off with. That's not, not strictly speaking on the N5, but it's just to the north of Winburg. And it's one of those little spots that's one of the little pivotal places in South African history that most people with, as we love to call it, RSUP's disease, go screaming past at 120 or 130 and uh, don't even know about. And it's yeah. a little bit to the north of Winburg. So if you're traveling out of Johannesburg, you've gone sort of down through Funnel Park and you've gone through Kokstad and uh, you've just gone through Fentersburg. Hopefully you've stopped in Fentersburg. We've, we've touched on Fentersburg once or twice. And there's a couple of really little interesting spots in Fentersburg. But just to the south of Fentersburg, you actually on the left hand side on top of a tiny little copy, there's a little stone can, like a little monument type of little spot. And that's where the Sand River Convention was signed. Now, the Sand River Convention monument is where General Andres Pretorius, Andres Pretorius, now we touched on this guy a good couple of times. This This is the character that fought at Blood River and who, I mean, I don't know how many horses he must have gone through, but this guy must have put put on forty or fifty thousand kilometers on his saddle. You know, yeah. <laughs> I think if I think if he'd been a modern day carriage, he would have got some kind of tire sponsorship out of someone. But this guy, <laughs> <laughs> this guy went absolutely everywhere, and he was obviously pivotal in the Battle of Blood River. But somewhere along the line, Blood River, he comes up and he's back in the Free State, he's back in the Transvaal. And he played a pivotal role in the formation of what was then known as the South African Republic. Now, that, that's the entity that was formed by the foot trekkers getting away from the British down in the Cape Colony. You know, the, the main driving force behind the foot trekkers was to get away from British rule and form their own republic. So that's why the foot trekkers all moved north. And that's how the two little republics at that stage came into being. I think myself and Emil sat down the one day and I think we stopped counting at 13 different republics eventually that were formed at at some point. And I mean, I always maintain that when you put these Afrikaners together, 
and you put five of them in a room, you've immediately got six churches and seven republics. So, <laughs> so Pretorius is there. And eventually, 1852, um, after a lot of negotiations and with, with Great Britain, etc., etc., the Sand River Convention is signed at that little spot. And it was the eventual culmination of the Great Trek. This, con- this, this, this um, convention is signed and it guarantees the independence of the Boers north of the Vaal River. Britain signs this. They realize that they've lost control here and they give, they sign sovereignty over to the Boers north of the Vaal River. And an interesting spot on this one is that the that actual happening is actually in the Fort Trekker Monument. When you go into the Fort Trekker Monument and you walk around the main hall, the whole story of the Fort Trekkers is played out in these beautiful marble friezes around the main hall in the Fort Trekker Monument. The very, very last one is actually the signing of the Sand River Convention. Wow. And, you know, that, 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 that gives you an idea of the importance of this actual happening in the Fort Trekker slash Africana history, that it's one of the panels in the Fort Trekker monument because now eventually their dream of independence has been realized and is now eventually being confirmed by the British. The British are no longer going to interfere north of the Val River. That doesn't last very long. Um, you know, you're, you're talking 1852, the Sand River Convention is signed, and only a couple of years later, Britain's busy invading and the first Anglo-Boer War breaks out. But yeah. it's a little spot just on the side of the highway, and it's, it's just it's an interesting little spot. You can, turn, you can turn off the highway, it's a little sand road, and then you go through the farmer gate, and it's very, very close to the highway, and it's interesting just to stand there, have a look at it, you read the little plaque on the side of this thing. And um, it's worth just sitting there and contemplating, going, hey, wow, you know, this is actually where it all happened. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, a little, little bit further on down, just, just at the little town of Winburg is now where the N5 intersects with the N1. And we're actually talking about the N5, but that Sand River Convention is right there, and it's always worth just bringing that little happening back into history because a lot of people regard that again you know the british signed it they confirmed independence and then yet yes. they break it they break it later with the first anglo boer war yeah <laughs> so um i think i think again that it, it contributes a little bit to that whole anti british feeling that a lot of the people have but anyhow yeah. A little bit on the way down the road, you've got Winburg, tiny little town of Winburg. It's a very, very small, dusty little town that doesn't really um, count for much. Except that when you drive past it and you don't bother going into the town, there's a lot of interesting spots in the town. We'll get to those as well. Is that um, the first thing that you see when you just screaming past at 120 kilometers an hour? is this huge monument, again, just off to the side of the highway, and it's actually the Fort Tricker Monument. Winburg has got a massive, massive Fort Tricker Monument. And <laughs> I didn't Winburg, know that. Yeah. 
you don't expect it. You know, Winburg, you know, it's one of those little towns where you go sort of, why, why does this little spot even exist? But it's one of the very, very first towns ever established by the foot trekkers under the leadership of General Andres Potchita. And it was part of one of the republics, the Republic of Winburg Potchestrom, which eventually later on became part of the Republic of the Orange Free State or part of the Orange Free State. And yeah. it's got a whole other like little <clears throat> towers on it. And the last time I was there, unfortunately, not very well looked after, but there's a little fountain that's supposed to be at the bottom with some you know, little, little fountain and water and, and each of the spires that reach up to the sky represents one of the foot trekker leaders. And this monument was actually erected after Winburg lost their bid to be host of the official foot trekker monument. Pretoria obviously got the official foot trekker monument. And yeah. Winburg, I sort of, and I think of a sort of a, a fit of revenge decided, well, they're also going to have a Fort Ricker monument. So they put this thing up. And uh, <laughs> it's actually, a, it's a very, very moving and it's a very, very symbolic monument. It's really worth going to go and have a look at. You know, there's no museum and stuff. The monument is this big concrete structure with these spires, a little fountain and stuff. And it's really nice to go and have a look at it. But other than that, I mean, there's no, there's no real Fort Ricker museum. Or anything like that, but there's a, there's a, there is a okay. When I say there's no museum, there's a tiny, dusty little house thing next to it that um, is a kind of museum. But every single time I've been there, it, um, <laughs> it hasn't been open. Oh wow! But <laughs> <laughs> but it's also on the original farm or plot where um, the last president of the Orange Free State, President N.T. Stain, was born. So there's a mm-hmm. little farmhouse there where, where President Stain was born. It's right next to, the, next to that monument. And it's kind of moving because N.T. Stain is, one of, again, one of those characters that seem to be overlooked in history because he was one of those steady characters that sort of just kept an even keel on all sorts of different stuff. And he was also president when the, when, when the Anglo-Boer War broke out. He was president of the Free State. And because of the alliance the Free State had with the old Transvaal Republic of the old South African Republic, the Free State was drawn into the war with the British. And yeah. he was always kind of overshadowed by Kruger. Kruger had this massive personality and this massive presence. But... Um, President Stain always sort of seemed to just fade into the background, but he he was an all he was an awfully stable influence behind the scenes. And you know, you yeah. look at the humble beginnings where he came from, his tiny little farmhouse in the middle of the the, the Farfalat, the fluctus that we always talk about in the Free State. And yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, you look at what presidents these days do and born and build houses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, it's insane. So. It's always good to see the sort of the humble beginnings of these guys. But <laughs> the town itself of Winburg, I mean, it's, it's literally 25 or 30 blocks of town. That's all that there is. Yeah. And, okay. <laughs> Winburg, like I said, is the oldest town in the free state. Beautiful historic building, the old Winburg Club. Um, 
gave dates right back to 1889. And because of its standing as the first town, the first sort of proper town that the foot trekkers started, obviously Winburg had its glory days. And there's there's some nice little spots, old billiards room inside there that's worth having a look at. The little pub is really, really having a look at. And there's quite there's quite a bit of old quite a few old artifacts and stuff. Um that 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 showcase the history of the club. Yeah. In town, there's of course the 1938 Great Sin, 1938 Great Trick Centenary Monument. We chat about those often when you get there, the 1938, uh, i.e. 100 year celebration of the Great Trek, where these ox wagons went o- o- across the length and breadth of South Africa. And yeah. uh, you've got the little ox wagon tracks, you know, where, where they actually had the ox wagons go over this wet concrete and leave, their, leave the tracks and stuff in town. So that that's, that's to be seen. There's... Um, also a 1988 monument. So they've got the 1938 and the 1988. Obviously, you know, Bigfoot, Trick of they had to do both of them. So <laughs> they had to do the 100th and the 150th anniversary, and both of them in the, in the center of town. There's also the, the Burger Monument in Winburg. And... One of those ang- second Anglo-Boer War memorials. It's the last resting place of all the Boer soldiers that, that out of that district that fell. A little bit of a sobering remembrance yeah. to them. Beautiful old Dutch Reformed Church in Winburg. And I think this is one of those churches that holds to my theory that the smaller the town, the bigger the church. And... Uh, <laughs> And it's the oldest Dutch Reformed Church in the Free State, and and the Transvaal, for that matter. So um, this 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 church dates back to the early 1840s already. So it's beautiful, beautiful um, old building, and it's also in in the middle of the town is one of the the few footricker graveyards that we actually know of. You know, a lot of the trekkers died en route and were buried en route or buried on re- very remote spots, etc. Yeah. And in in Winburg itself is one of these little spots that's actually one of these old foot trekker graveyards. And mm-hmm. you go to these little spots and you see, you know, born in you know eighteen oh two or wherever it was, and you go, wow, you know, this yeah. this, this this person was like 30 years old or 35 years old yeah. at the Great Trek. This, this person lived that entire trek and eventually made it through and then died here in Winburg after settling, settling down yeah. in this area. And it's just, again, it's one of those sobering things where you say, and you go, wow, you know, that's, that's, that's a hell of a life. You know, you, you, you're born in the Cape Colony, you grow up, and as a young adult, you then go for three years or four years, you now en route to these ox wagons. Who knows which fights yeah. you participated in or which battles happened or what your experiences were, and then here you lie buried in this little spot in Winburg. And then one of the more sobering spots again, and, uh, you know, 
And unfortunately, Winburg seems to be one of these little places with all these, all these kind of memories is actually the concentration camp cemetery. Yeah. And, uh, it was obviously this, the site of one of these concentration camps. And in this particular one, 1,263 poor women and children died in this particular camp. <clears throat> and, you know, it's, 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 it's this lonely, dusty little cemetery, and you go, wow, it's just, just, yeah, just, just, just wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it just, it just shouldn't be there. Yeah. So, so yeah, so, you know, if you drive, if you are going down the N1, it's, it's honestly, it's worth taking a little detour through town. Most of those little sites are on the main road through town. So it's not going to take a heck of a detour for you to, Go and have a look at it. You can see the church and the graveyard and the cemetery and all that kind of stuff in town. As you come out the other side, the Footrick Monument is just on your left-hand side before you rejoin the highway. Yeah. And Winburg is, again, one of those little, little spots that you always go screaming past at a, at a, hell, of a hell of a rate. And you never really bother to go in to actually go and have a look at it. But if you do, if you do turn off in Winburg and now you head off on the N5, which is actually what we're chatting about, is your next town of any kind of note is a little spot called Senegal. Senegal. A little spot called Senegal, a little town called Senegal. Yeah. On the main road, on the main road, main road, you've got a little centenary monument for the 100th anniversary of, um, the town. The town was founded in 1877. So again, one of the, it's a kind of a, one of the old historical town. But if you bother to just go off that main road and go one block down and you go to the town center or the town square, there's a whole gaggle of little things there. Mm-hmm. And, um, One of the little memorials there is a, is a, is a little memorial to the guy, uh, Mr. D.P.M. Ullefier, commemorative, the little commemorative plaque to him. And that's at the, at the church. The church, churches in these little towns are always, um, havens or, or little, little treasure troves of all these little monuments and museums and or monuments and statues and all the rest of it. But Ullefier was, does, responsible for the design and the erection of what we call the fossilized tree wall and tree uh, wall. the church square. There's a whole wall there made out of fossilized fossilized trees. Jeez. So if you carry a little bit on further down, like, like, in, like in Harry Smith, in Harry Smith on the way down to Durban, there's a whole fossilized tree outside the town hall. And the, the, the you know that that central free state area is a treasure trove of um, fossils and fossilized trees and all sorts of things. Yeah, in this little in this little church square as well. They've obviously got a 1938 monument, and I don't think we have to explain what the 1938 monument is anymore. There's a <laughs> <laughs> there's again there's a there's a burger monument. Um, for the local commando and their um, their greatest fight was a little spot called the the Battle of Biddlesberg, which was one of the um, 
but also bigger better. fights again in uh, in in nineteen hundred. Well, that one's there. But what is, what is nice on that one is that there's a beautiful representation of the old Free State coat of arms on on that particular one, and you don't see that that coat of arms that often. It's always overshadowed by the South African coat of arms or the Transvaal Republic coat of arms. So that just makes yeah. that one a little bit unique. There's again a beautiful Dutch Reformed church at that in in the middle of that square. I mean that that's exactly what what we're t- talking about. And it's again one of the older older congregations. This one, this congregation was established already in 1879. The first church was already sort of running around 18, mid 1870s, 1876 or so. And um, a guy by the name of Reverend Paul Rue was the reverend of this congregation. He actually gave his name to the little town, the little town just down the road of Paul Rue. Okay. Um, so that, that's where, <laughs> where that one came from. And an interesting part of this one is that this is one of the few places where we've, we've chatted again about 1914, the rebellion of 1914. You know, you just come out of the Anglo-Boer War, um, South Africa, is coalesced into now the Union in 1910 after the Anglo-Boer War. So now everything is British Dominion and everyone in theory is a British subject. And in 1914, the First World War breaks out. So, of course, now because we're British, we have to go fight on the side of the, of the British. So 1914, yeah. there's a rebellion and a whole lot of guys say, look, it's not happening, boys. There's no way we're fighting on the side of, um, of Great Britain. And the interesting... <laughs> Little part of this is this. This is one of the congregations actually got split in half by this whole um, 1914 thing. So the 1914 rebellion and the decision by government to support Great Britain caused a lot of drama um, around around South Africa. Yeah, and another little interesting link in history here in Senegal is that a guy by the name of Doctor Serfas Rousseau. Who, who served the congregation, he was the Germany of the church from 1921 to 1926, was actually the father-in-law of President P.W. Mm. <laughs> oh, Okay. He was the father of Elise Buerta Nirusso, who was um, obviously first lady of South Africa of 1979 to 89. So there's long, there's long roots of Afrikaner here in this little town of Senegal. Hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a, a little thing there called the historic Fortrekker Stone just out the, outside of the church, and that, again, dates back to the Great Trek, 1835. And there's a, it's just a little monument, little inscription plaque thingy there. And, again, it, it, it goes back to the lead of General Andres Hendrik Potgita, who moved into this area, and it's just a commemoration stone Um to him. So you, yeah. you, you look at what's sitting outside this church here, 1988 Great Trek Monument as well. So we don't have to go into that one. We chatted about the 1988 thing. And then there's again, there's a grave on that on that site of Commandant General F.P. Senecal. Oh. And it's actually the grave of Commandant General F.P. Senecal. He, he he was born 1815. He died 
And that's obviously he gave his name to the town. Yeah. And again, one of the he was he was actually a pretty pretty good general. I mean, he commanded the Free State Commanders against the forces of King um, Mosheshwe the first. He was commander of the first Basutu War, eighteen fifty eight. And in Basutu history, believe it or not, we call it the Basutu War. The Basutus call it Senakal's War. Okay. <laughs> um, and yeah, he was also commander of the Second Basutu War, eighteen sixty-five. But he was—he actually got killed during that war. But the guy who gave his name to the town is actually there. Okay, we've now nineteen thirty-eight. There's also the there's an old ox wagon on display there under a little little awning and stuff, and. Um, It was it was the wagon that was actually used annually for the Winburg, what they call the Winburg Senekal Geloftefeest. Geloftefeest is always the day of the vow, 16th of December, Battle of Blood River. Yeah. Um, commemoration. And this, this particular wagon dates back right back through to 1925. And uh, I think it's one of the few wagons that actually has the distinction of being pulled by both oxen as well as by a Massey Ferguson tractor. <laughs> the festival got modernized and maybe the oxen were too slow or something. But eventually they decided to pull the thing um, with a Massey Ferguson tractor. But <laughs> oh, that's good. But we, we've alluded to this fossilized tree wall, and that's also there. At this on the, on this on this church, and it's it's part of the wall that actually encircles the church. And it's just such an interesting little spot that they actually built a wall out of all the out of all these fossils, and they, the fossils came out of the Sand River Valley, which is just up the road. And the species of tree is apparently something called Dadoxylon arberry and Dadoxylon sclerosum, and those trees date back to two hundred and fifty million years ago. Sure. And there's enough of the stuff lying around, and there's enough of the stuff that that, that they can actually build build a wall around the church church with a lot. And the interesting the interesting part of this though is that the trees these trees are part of a plant division of um, conifers, and our current. National tree. You know what the current national tree is? The current national tree is the yellowwood. Yeah. And the yellowwood is part of the same family as these things. Okay. So I just figured, you know, that's, that's again, that's just, just an interesting history that our that's yellowwood true. as our national tree has got this history of 250 million years. Yeah. In South Africa. So it's actually kind of a cool. Um, yeah, it is kind of kind of a cool thing. It's not you know, like they didn't just decide yellowwood. Oh, he has a nice big tree, looks pretty. Let's make it the national tree. So I'm actually, <laughs> some actual serious thought was put into this that this thing dates back all those years and is actually actually in fossils in our own country. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, there's a little museum just on this on the southern side of the church square as well, and it's the house that belonged to a guy by the name of Doctor R. D. Kiet. And Kiet. he's a doctor, but he's also a relatively well-known South African poet. 
his practice was in that little house. He, he had his practice in the bottom floor, and he lived lived on the on the um, uh, top floor. One of his brothers was a guy by the name of Benny Kiert, and Benny Kiert was one of the people that was responsible for the translation of the Bible into Afrikaans in the um, early 1930s. Okay. I actually know someone that's got the surname Kiert. Okay. Maybe he's related. Oh. I mean, it's not exactly a very, very common, very common surname. No, it's, yeah, it's not. And th- this guy, I mean, he's not a hugely well-known character, but, you know, he served in the First Boer War. He, he helped during the Spanish flu epidemic in 1918. He, he returned to South Africa in 1920. Um, he was offered, he was offered the post of editor of the Volksblatt newspaper in Bloemfontein, which he didn't take it, though. He didn't take it. And he wanted to start in Ermelo, but a buddy of his had a practice in Ermelo. Then he decided to move to Silicon, and he, he spent his entire life there. And he's more known for his for his poetry than anything else. And uh, believe it or not, the town of Silicon actually holds an annual little festival in his memory where they read his poetry and uh, celebrate his life. So definitely one of the oh, better well-known okay. characters of the town. But then if you keep on going down the N5, you actually eventually get to the little town of Paul Rue, and we've chatted about where, where that name comes from, and the only the real thing of any note there is in the, in the centre of town is a little 1938 Great Trek Centenary Monument, another one. Another one. <laughs> another one. <laughs> and then, then you've actually got quite a major town that you get into. That's the town of Bethlehem. Oh, and yeah, where it gets so cold in the winter. The Bethlehem is one of those spots where it gets so stupid cold in the winter. Bethlehem already established in um, 1859. So again, one of the older, one of the older towns. A beautiful church in the middle of town. It. Uh, the President M.T. Stain from the little town we just chatted about actually unveiled the cornerstone of the yeah. of, of that church. But there's an interesting little war memorial there, but Bethlehem is known as one of the little towns which is allied to the South African Engineering Corps. So the engineers are created in Bethlehem, good for them. They can get like a cold in Bethlehem. And yeah. uh, <laughs> the little field engineers memorial just outside of town there. You don't often see that. You know, most most of the time the memorials are are to um, the infantry and air force and, you know, sort of the fighting arms and engineers, always the guys in the background who, who, keep, who keep everything moving. <clears throat> and... We've alluded to that Basutu War, and in town, there's actually a little memorial to what's called the Battle of Bethlehem. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the Battle, Battle <laughs> of Bethlehem, 22nd of January, 1866. Is what when the hell was that Basutus, about? The Basutus attacked the town of Bethlehem. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. And you know these are these are these tiny or these little little wars and insurrections and and 
incidents that that um, every, everybody tends to forget. But a whole a whole three people died in in this in this attack, and it, 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 it happened during what's called the Second Basutu War, also known as the Sekuti War. And the name apparently is based on the sound of the of of of, of the Boer cannons. That's the Basutu interpretation oh, of, of, okay. of that um, of that of that sound. And the church itself was used as the fort. The women and children all all, all um, spent a couple of nights in that in the church. And the war actually broke out between President Brunt of the Free State and the Basutu King Basheshwar the First. Couldn't actually agree on the official border between the Republic and the Kingdom of Lesotho. Yeah, and eventually, I mean, Bethlehem was one of the towns that that the Basutu attacked. The, the war didn't last long. It ended with the with a with a peace of what was called the Peace of Taba Basiu on the eleventh of April, eighteen eighty six. Mm-hmm. However, it wasn't the last war between the Basutus and the Free State. So that's one of those eternal little conflicts that kept on going and kept on going. You know, yeah. the Free State obviously looking for decent farmland and the Basutus wanting grazing land for their cattle and, and the border never never really being um being actually properly properly defined. There's an interesting little museum in Bethlehem as well. Uh, which which displays the, the the local cultural history of the town and the and the town and, and 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 the district, and it's located on the the old historic Nazareth Mission Church that dates back already to the the early early nineteen hundreds. Now that's also worth a, worth a little stop. And then there's of course a little centenary monument that was erected in 1964. the town was established. A little centenary monument at the end of town, just as you're deciding whether to choose between the R26 and the and carrying on down the N5. And then carry on down the N5, you get a little town called Kestel. Again, one of those tiny little towns that doesn't really amount to much little, little farming community. And the only thing really of any note there is the 1938 Great Trek Memorial again. Okay. All these little uh, towns. What's the town called again? Kestel. Kestel. Kestel, K-E-S-T-E-L-L. Never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> but again, one of the one of the one of the beautiful buildings there, and it's got one of the most amazing Dutch Reformed churches. And again, I stick with my theory: the smaller the town, the bigger the church. And <laughs> it's got the most beautiful church again, designed by Gerard Murdijk. Ah, Murdijk again. Murdijk again. He built a lot of shit. (laughs) He designed, I don't know if he built it, but he designed them. And man, this this guy was an architect of note. I mean, he he, he did the Fortrick Monument Pretoria. Yeah. And that's one of my all-time favorite buildings in South Africa. It really is. But this this church is just one of the most amazing buildings. A beautiful circular, like, porch held up with pillars that go up into this massive church spire. And you just got to stand in front of it. You just and you just got to stand in awe of this particular yeah. church. Okay. And the little town, the little town itself, is named in honor of a guy by the name of Reverend John Kestel, 
And Kestel was a padre who actually served the Boers during the Anglo-Boer War of 1899. And uh, that's, yeah, that's just where the, where the little name or the, or the little town gets its, gets its, gets its name from. So the, the, this church dates back really to 1906. It was started, the funds were raised in 1906 already for many, many years before that little, little square rectangular building was used as a church. And uh, this particular building eventually was was um, opened in 1928 at the, at the grand cost of eighteen thousand pounds. But you got to understand that at that stage, eighteen thousand pounds was an awful lot of money. And yeah. the debt for the church, believe it or not, was only eventually paid off in 1941. <laughs> 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 Yeah. So uh, again, it's just, it's just a uh, you. Uh, if you if you're ever going to go into Kestel, it's worth going there just to go look at that church. Yeah, just just stop the car, get out, and have a look at this architecture, and it is the most beautiful, beautiful building. And then yeah. we get We've to got the a end caravan it, now, so we can travel now. That, well, yeah, masks are gone. Thank goodness, that's all disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we can actually, yeah, it looks like it would, but don't, don't forget the scary monkeypox. Monkeypox is coming. Yeah. <laughs> no, let's, yeah, let's, 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 let's not, let's not, let's not, we're not starting that now. We're not starting that now. <laughs> You're out of Kestel, the next, the next one, the next one is um, Harrysmith. So Harrysmith is where the M5 intersects the M3. Harrysmith is also you know, um, one of those spots where it's, it's kind of a major intersection and a major junction town. And a lot of people coming in from Johannesburg or from the Gauteng, traveling down to Durban, Harrysmith seems to be the first stop. Yeah. <clears throat> As you're coming in on the N5, there's two little spots. Now, I've, I've got a I, – I, I cemented a very, very nice relationship Um a little while ago with the author of some very, very authoritative books on um, blockhouses. Uh, a guy by the name of Simon Green has done an awful lot of work on the blockhouses in South Africa, and we're gonna have, we'll are gonna we have a podcast at some stage on just the blockhouses and the scope and the size of that operation done by the British. Again, it defies logic and it defies... Um, the imagination until you actually sit down and have a look at it. But as you come yeah. in on the N5, there's two blockhouses, two remnants of blockhouses um, that's used to encircle Harry Smith as protection against against the Boer forces. And they're still relatively intact. And it's just, just as you get past the intersection of the R74, the R74 is the road that goes down to the Stokefontein Dam. So oh, yeah. that, that's that's the road that an awful lot of people use when the trucks are blockading the N3. You come into Harry Smith, you go into the N5, and you go down to Stirkfontein Dam, and you can you pop out of the N3 a lot further south, and you miss Van Rinnen's yeah. house. But in that little corner there, there's um, two of those blockhouses that are still well worth visiting, and there's enough of them remaining to actually go and have have a look at them. And there's two pretty close together, one and a half, they want one, one and a half kilometers apart or something. So those blockhouses were built so that they were all in sight of each other so that should there be an attack, this lot could help protect that one. 
You know, and yeah. lines and lines and lines of these things, six, seven, eight hundred blockhouses were put in lines across, across the South African countryside. And unbelievable. Actually, unbelievable. If you think of the manpower and money that was spent on this stuff. But there's two yeah, new blockhouses yes. that are relatively easy access, easily accessible there just off the N5. And they're honestly worth, worth visiting. And, uh, that's again, it's, 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 uh, those are two of the three blockhouses that we know of in Harry Smith. There's another one that's just on the bottom end of the botanical gardens. That one's slightly better preserved. That one's still got the steel roof on it and a little bit of the protection stuff and a couple of the steel, um, shutters and stuff in, in front of okay. the, um, in front of the in front of the doors and windows, but like I said, I think we we actually have a we'll have a separate podcast on just the the blockhouses. Harrisville is an interesting little town on that side. So there are three of the blockhouses. You can visit three blockhouses already just just in town in Harrisville. Yeah, there's a very very nice little commando <coughs> commando monument in town on the grounds of the church, and it's in honor of the local commando who served in the Anglo Boer War. In the center of town, again, you know, when you go into the middle of town, it's one of the few towns, again, with a 1952 Van Riebeck Festival monument. 1652 Van Riebeck arrives in the Cape. 1952, they actually had a Van Riebeck Festival for the 300th anniversary of the arrival of Jan Van Riebeck. And there's not a lot of those monuments around. I think you've only got like 12 or 13 Van Riebeck Festival monuments around South Africa, and it's kind of weird thinking about it, that that's kind of one of the, well, probably one of the most iconic happenings in South African history, the arrival of Jan van Riebeck. Hello, yeah. He's blamed for everything. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> why, <laughs> why don't we remember this guy? And if I, if, I look, if I look at my app, we've actually got a, oh, oh my goodness, not even that many. Um, on, our, on our app, we've actually got seven. There's seven van Riebeck Festival monuments dotted around South Africa. That's it. Only seven of them. Okay. And one of them there is in Harry Smith. So that, that's kind of an interesting thing to go and have a look at. Then yeah. in the middle of town, okay, you've got a burger monument in the middle of town. One of the more interesting things is there's a very, very beautiful um, town hall in Harry Smith, beautiful old sand, sandstone, sandstone building. But in the grounds of the town hall is this massive, massive fossilized tree trunk. And, I mean, I've, I've stopped a couple of times. I don't know, the thing's 40, 50 meters long or something. It's a, it's a huge, huge piece of piece chunk of rock. Yeah. And they've got this thing now laid out um, in front of the town hall. So really, really cool to have a look at that. And if you the, the, the little the little plaque in, in front of there, and it's a 250 million. It says here that the 250 million year old fossilized tree with the species of that doxylon, which is an early form of conifer. It would look something like a cowrie pine or monkey puzzle tree. Average height for these trees is about okay. 50 meters. These trees are found in the district. So they would have grown around swampy areas or patches of thick forest, etc. And it's the same tree that was used then to build that um, little wall that, oh, yes. that we chatted about earlier. Yeah. And 
Harry Smith, again, is a quite an interesting little spot because you've also got, in the same spot, you've got like the burger monuments for the burgers that fell in the Anglo-Boer War. But Harry Smith was also the headquarters or the, the main base for both the the Grenadier Guards and the Scots Guards. Now, I mean, we just okay. come through Queen Elizabeth's celebrations, and I mean, one of the ceremonies I, I just have to watch is the trooping of the colour. When you see those guards doing those parades, I mean, that is just ceremony and military precision that is yeah. out of this world. But those guys, those very, very guys who are standing on parade there in those, in those scarlet tunics and those great big bearskins have got a monument sitting here in Harrysmith. Okay. So the second battalion, the Grenadier Guards and the second battalion, Scots Guards, actually served in South Africa during the Anglo-Boer War. And the, the names of their fallen are actually on the panels of this memorial, very, very beautiful memorial. It's a long, it's like a long tower with a Celtic cross. Okay. Um, on the top of it. And if you, if you think about it, when they, they, didn't, they didn't have a major battle with the Boers while they were in Harry Smith, but the records show that the Boers attacked them almost daily, right from April 1900, right through to the end of the war in uh, 1902. Wow. Every single day, okay. these guys were under fire while based <clears throat> in Harrisburg. <clears throat> hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a good Yeah, no, I think I think those, I think you come out of that with a bit of PTSD after after like a year and a half, <laughs> almost two years, every single day under fire. That's not cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so that that's that's the end five. Again, you know, you you you're trying to take a shortcut or something between these two major highways, but yet there's still an awful lot there that you can see and have a look at and stop and just think about yeah. while you're traveling these little highways and byways <coughs> in South Africa. And of course the yeah. interesting thing is as you now coming off the N five onto the N three, if you're heading off down south. Your next stop is um, Van Rennen, and then, of course, you're hitting the battlefields area, Ladysmith, Colenso, Escort, Bergville, Viennan. You know, you're hitting that area where so many conflicts happen, right from Foot Trekkers versus Zulu. You've got Zulu versus Zulu. You've got First Anglo-Boer War, Second Anglo-Boer War. You've got so much just down to the south um, yeah. of of that area. But, again... That's going to take up a couple of other podcasts when we've got a lot more time to discuss it. Battlefields, I think, is already three or four podcasts just on its own. Yeah. <clears throat> but, Lekker, there we go. N5 done and dusted, and maybe next time we have a look at the N6. Let's see yes. if anybody knows where the N6 is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where it is. <laughs> you don't know where the N6 is. No idea. Just just for interest's sake, the N the N six kicks off just south of Bloemfontein and winds up in East London. Uh, okay. <laughs> so maybe we do that for the next time. 